Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. On Monday, June 21st, 2021, thousands of impoverished people, low and no wage workers, campaigners, and faith leaders from across the United States gathered online for a mass assembly organized by the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. The assembly, which simultaneously featured a socially distanced rally in North Carolina, called for a third reconstruction. A third reconstruction would draw from the transformational history of the first reconstruction following the U.S. Civil War and the second reconstruction of the civil rights movement of the 20th century. The Poor People's Campaign describes the third reconstruction as what should be the nation's commitment to establish justice, provide for the general welfare, end decades of austerity and a war economy, protect the environment, and recognize that policies that center the country's 140 million or low-wealth people are also good economic policies that can heal and transform the nation. Led by Congresswoman Barbara Lee, members of Congress have introduced a nonpartisan resolution entitled a third reconstruction. It's time to fully address poverty and low wages from the bottom up. Inspired by decades of fierce campaigning, the Congressional Resolution for a Third Reconstruction reflects a progressive vision for a fundamental restructuring of society. The resolution points out that in order to build a true third reconstruction, U.S. society must deal with the interlocking injustices of systemic racism, poverty, ecological devastation, and the denial of health care, militarism, and the distorted moral narrative of religious nationalism that blames the poor instead of the systems that cause poverty. Furthermore, the Assembly kicked off a one-year campaign dedicated to building towards a mass Moral March on Washington and Poor People's Assembly on June 18, 2022. The hybrid online and in-person mass assembly that took place this year on Monday, June 21st, included over 40 state coordinating committees of the Poor People's Campaign, over 200 organizing partners, and thousands of faith leaders. Today, as part two of our series, you will hear speeches, testimony, and music from the historic event, which was led by the Poor People's Campaign Joint Coordinators, the Reverend Liz Theo Harris and the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber III. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. For Pacifica Radio, I'm Eileen Alfandari. Democrats say they'll keep fighting to pass their far-reaching voting rights legislation despite yesterday's successful effort by Senate Republicans to block it. Democrats needed 60 votes to move forward with a final debate and vote on the For the People Act 
but they fell short as expected when the Senate split along party lines 50 to 50. Christopher Martinez reports. Moments after the vote, Democratic Senate leader Chuck Schumer described what had happened. Once again, the Senate Republican minority has launched a partisan blockade of a pressing issue here in the United States Senate, an issue no less fundamental than the right to vote. Democrats stood together to support action on the bill, including conservative West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin, whose support had been in doubt. But the Republican caucus, too, stood together, denying the supermajority needed to move forward. Republican Lisa Murkowski of Alaska says she supports voting rights and supports the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, but not the For the People Act. The bill that we have in front of us is not so much about voting rights as it is a federal takeover of the election system. Democrats say the fight will continue. Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota told Republican senators her rules committee will hold a series of hearings that it will, in her words, take on the road. I'm Christopher Martinez. President Biden is expected to announce a partnership between federal law enforcement and local police to help combat a rising tide of gun violence. The effort is aimed at building on his administration's gun safety efforts so far and is to include new strike forces to tackle gun trafficking. In a speech today, Biden will renew his calls for Congress to pass gun legislation. Ahead of it, the Justice Department announced new strike forces aimed at tackling gun trafficking in five cities, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and Washington, D.C. The Biden administration is stepping up efforts to get younger people vaccinated against the coronavirus as the new, more infectious Delta variant rapidly spreads through the country. Younger adults between the ages of 18 and 26 have lagged in vaccinations. Nadia Ramlagan reports. The dangerous Delta variant of the coronavirus is spreading so quickly in the United States that it's likely the mutant strain will become predominant in the nation within weeks, according to federal health officials and a new analysis. Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health has announced more than 20% of new cases are due to the Delta variant. There is a danger, a real danger, that if there is a persistence of a recalcitrance to getting vaccinated, that you could see localized surges, which is the reason why I want to emphasize all of that is totally and completely avoidable by getting vaccinated. The opioid epidemic also has picked up speed. Data from the CDC show overdose deaths increased in almost every state during the first eight months of 2020. 24 states and the District of Columbia had an estimated increase of at least 30 percent. For Pacifica Network and Public News Service, I'm Nadia Ramlagan. Health workers in Ethiopia's rebellious Tigray region say an airstrike hit a busy village market, killing dozens and wounding many more. They say soldiers then blocked ambulances and medical teams from traveling to the scene. The reported airstrike in Togoga came amid some of the fiercest fighting in the Tigray region since the conflict began in November. This month, humanitarian agencies warned 350,000 people in Tigray are facing famine. The New York Times reports that four Saudis who participated in the grisly 2018 killing of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi received 
paramilitary training in the U.S. the previous year under a contract approved by the State Department. The Times reports that a security company owned by the private equity firm Cerberus Capital Management provided the training. It was supposedly aimed at training the Saudi unit in how to protect Saudi leaders. Those leaders presumably include Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who is widely reported to have ordered Khashoggi's murder. Khashoggi was killed inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, and is believed to have been dismembered. His body was never recovered. Despite criticizing the Trump administration's close relationship with the Crown Prince, the Biden administration also declined to apply sanctions to bin Salman for Khashoggi's murder. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams has a slim lead in early counting in New York City's crowded Democratic mayoral primary, but it could be weeks before it becomes clear who's actually on top in the city's first major contest to use ranked choice voting. As ballot counting began, the former police captain had 31 percent of first choice votes. Former counsel to Mayor Bill de Blasio, Maya Wiley, was second with 22 percent. Sanitation Commissioner Catherine Garcia close behind with 20% of first-choice votes. I'm Eileen Alfandari for Pacifica Radio. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, and those were our news headlines. And now the 2021 National Poor People's and Low-Wage Workers Assembly, hosted by the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. The hybrid online and in-person mass assembly call for the realization of the third reconstruction, which would reflect a progressive vision for a fundamental restructuring of U.S. society. Diverse people from all corners of the United States converge and convened in the assembly, a hybrid event, both online as well as in person to speak out against the interlocking injustices of systemic racism, the denial of health care and ecological devastation, uh, poverty, militarism, and the distorted moral narrative of religious nationalism. Let's hear those voices now. In Memphis, Tennessee, we are in one of the most significant fights against ecological devastation and exploitation happening in our nation as we stop a crude oil pipeline from cutting through black communities, like the Freedmen's community of Boxtown, communities like Westwood, communities that are over 95% black and African-American descendants of enslaved people, making less than $25,000 a year. We are fighting environmental racism. Billion dollar companies, Plains All-American, Valero Energy Corporation, and their Bihalia pipeline are being proposed to bring oil from Oklahoma through to our neighborhoods in Memphis and Mississippi to send oil to the Gulf near St. James, Louisiana, also known as Cancer Alley. They called Memphis, our community, our home, the path of least resistance. Well, they don't know us. See, we are people of resilience. And now is the time to fight. Now is the time to stop them. We've suffered under the brutality of fossil fuel infrastructure that destroys our air steals people's land, misusing eminent domain, and in Memphis, their crude oil pipeline could poison over a million people's drinking water due to our precious Memphis sand aquifer beneath our feet, which supplies all of our water. What we know is this, God is on our side because God is on the side of the oppressed, and it is, it is that spirit that is within us. 
It's that spirit that will not bow. It, that spirit will not be broken. That spirit will not bend. And it is that spirit that will see us through to victory. As we fight these interlocking injustices together in Memphis and in Raleigh and Washington, D.C. and around this country. See, God bless you. And what we know to be true is that we're going to go forward together and not one step back. I did 26 years for, uh, for a murder I didn't commit. I was exonerated. And since I've been home, I've been fighting the court justice to bring about change. And I found out that we have an immoral system run by immoral people. And immoral people make up an immoral system. So our fight is to get the immoral people out of office, to get them out of power. We must use our power to vote and get them out of office. The system I've seen is it oppresses the poor people, color people, people of color. And it's a system, it's systemic racism and is the cause of mass incarceration. And to me, mass incarceration is modern day sex slavery. So if you want to do anything and be a part of the fight, we have to start where we are in our neighborhoods, our cities, and get behind those organizations to bring about change and to get those people out of office by voting. So whatever you do, do what you can. First, get out and vote. Thank All right. you. Jose? How you doing, Poor People's Campaign? Y'all sound fired up today. My name is Jose Vasquez, and I'm a disabled Army veteran. I'm here representing over 250,000 members of Common Defense. We are the nation's largest progressive veterans organization. We joined the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, because we are sick and tired of the war economy. While hardworking Americans are struggling to make ends meet, defense contractors are lobbying members of Congress to spend billions and billions of dollars on weapons of mass destruction. More than 60% of our federal discretionary dollars Taxes that come out of our pockets are allocated toward war making. Shame. Think about that. There are 60 cents of every dollar that Congress approves from year to year goes straight into the pockets of corporations and to, into their accounts to profit from war. Shame. Why the hell do we have to fight for $15? Hey when the CEOs and the contractors are making millions of dollars every year. Why are working people have to bank, file for bankruptcy because of medical debt in the middle of a global pandemic? While these CEOs are making a killing, we, are, we have corrupt politicians trying to stop veterans from accessing the ballot box. Why can't a veteran, a disabled veteran with post-traumatic stress disorder, mail in their ballot early? Haven't they sacrificed their physical and mental health defending this democracy? Veterans across this nation say enough is enough. We won't stand by while we spend more on forever wars that benefit the wealthy. We will fight to protect and defend our people. We demand Congress take action to meet the needs of low-income Americans. 
We can't pat essential workers on the back on one day and then cut their health care the next day. We can't say that everyone counts and then try to create barriers for voting rights. That's right. That's right. The same rights that veterans have sacrificed to preserve. So we will be on the front line with all of you. Because we know this. You are only you only get what you're organized to take. And we're here to take what's ours. Thank you. Hello everyone. My name is Carmen Rodriguez. Hi everyone, my name is Iana Santillan. Forward together! Forward together! Los inmigrantes estamos aquí para quedarnos. Immigrants are here to stay. My name is my name is Carmen Rodriguez. My name is Carmen Rodriguez. Soy madre. I am a mother. Soy inmigrante. I'm an immigrant. Soy uno de los más de 11 millones de personas que estamos construyendo América. Of the 11 million of persons who are constructing America. Y a pesar de todo, seguimos siendo ignorados por el gobierno. And even then, we continue to be ignored by the government. Soy indocumentada. I am undocumented. Y tengo un sueño. And I have a dream. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sueño con el día que nuestras familias no tengan temor de ser separadas por ICE. I dream of a day where our families do not have to live in fear of being separated by ICE. That's right, that's right, yeah. that's right. Sueño con el día que nuestra comunidad sea reconocida. I dream of a day where my community is recognized. Por su gran aporte económico. For all the economic benefits. Seamos libres de emprender sueños. A day where we will be free to reach our dreams. Que hoy se nos dificultan por no tener un estatus migratorio. Those dreams that are difficult to achieve because we do not have an immigrant status. Ni siquiera tenemos el acceso a una licencia de conducir. We don't even have a, access to a driver's license. Esto es injusto. This is unjust. Hemos pasado por varias administraciones. We've been through several administrations. Miles de familias destrozadas a causa de la separación. Many families have suffered because of the separation of families. Administraciones que se han dedicado a amenazar, a atormentar a nuestra comunidad. Administrations who have made it a goal to threaten and, uh, and disregard our communities. Y otras más dándonos falsas esperanzas. And many others giving us false hope. Esto no puede continuar. We cannot continue like this. Nuestra comunidad vive situaciones de pobreza. Our community is living in poverty. A causa del salario bajo. Because we don't have an equitable salary. Y tantas situaciones de racismo y discriminación. And all the discrimination and racism we have to endure. Y el miedo por no tener un estatus migratorio nos obliga a permanecer callados. And the fear of not having an immigrant status makes us stay silent. Es momento de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. It is time that our voices are heard. That's right, yeah. 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 Los políticos tienen que reconocer. Politicians must recognize. Y tomar acción y parar los ataques hacia nuestra comunidad a nivel nacional y estatal. They need to cease their attacks on a national level and a local level. Basta de propuestas anti-inmigrantes como la HB 101. We need to stop anti-immigrant legislation like HB 101. La cual es un ataque directo para nuestras familias. 
One that's a direct attack to our families. Para nuestra tranquilidad y para nuestros hijos. For our tranquility and our children. El día de hoy seguimos en pandemia. To this day we're still under a pandemic. En donde la comunidad indocumentada no tuvimos opción de quedarnos en casa. Where the undocumented community didn't have an option to stay home. Las construcciones siguieron. Construction kept on going. La limpieza siguió. Cleaning services continued. Right. Los alimentos siguieron llegando. Food was still at your That's table. Right. Right. Cosechadas por manos de inmigrantes. We're benefiting from the labor of immigrants. El llamado es para el presidente Biden. This call is for President Biden. Para todos los políticos federales. To all federal politicians. Para el gobernador Roy Cooper. To Governor Roy Cooper. Senadores, representantes y los políticos del estado. Senators, representatives and all politicians in the state. Recuerden que estamos aquí, que somos millones. Remember that we're here and there's millions of us. Somos madres y padres y no somos invisibles. We are parents, we are mothers, and we're not in invincible. Nuestros hijos comenzaron a votar. Our children started voting. La decisión es ahora de ellos. Now it's their time to make the decisions. Nos engañaron con DACA. Tenemos DACA hace nueve años y esa no es la solución. They lied to us with, with DACA. We've had DACA for nine years and that is not the solution. Tenemos años, décadas esperando por una reforma migratoria. We have been waiting for years, for decades for our immigration reform. Reforma migratoria para todos. Ahora es el momento. Immigration reform for everyone. Now is the time. Estamos conscientes que tenemos muchos muros que derrumbar y puentes que construir. We're conscious that we have a lot of barriers to remove and bridges to build. Estamos juntos en esto. We are together in this. Ningún ser humano es ilegal. People are not illegal. Reforma migratoria ahora. Immigration right, reform right, now. Right, Las right. vidas negras importan. Black lives matter. Reconstruyamos esta gran nación. Let's rebuild this great country. Forward together. Forward together. Si se puede. Thank you. Next, we're going to hear live from Karina Baker. Hello, my name is Karina Baker, and I have been part of the PPC for a year now through my internship at the Cairo Center. As a deaf person born to deaf parents, growing up, I saw my mom and dad get passed over for many jobs and struggle to make ends meet. In the jobs they did get, they were often placed in low-wage positions with limited opportunities for advancement. They would preach to me that as a deaf person, I had to work twice as hard to make it in the hearing world, and that college was the only path to success. So that's what I did, and once I got my bachelor's degree and got all the necessary qualifications, I submitted job applications, but it was challenging. Just applying for a job was still like being in the Hunger Games. In actuality, college degrees are not enough, especially for people with disabilities who face obstacle after obstacle. 
if we do indeed get the job, the hurdles don't end there with communication barriers and lack of resources and support services. Not many workplaces are willing to accommodate people with varying abilities, even as we offer our unique perspectives and assets to the workplace. It's crazy to me that in 2021, it's still legal for workplaces to pay a sub-minimum wage to people with disabilities in certain settings. Many of us, disabled people and abled people alike, try to do everything that is expected of us and yet struggle to make a living wage. The harsh reality is that our current system perpetuates many barriers that disproportionately target people of color, poor people, and people with disabilities, and sets the stage to exploit those that have fallen through the cracks. The American dream is a myth, but it doesn't need to be. We need the third reconstruction to ensure that deaf people, people with disabilities, and all people can have the right to live and to thrive. Thank you. Thank you, Karina. We're now going to hear from Roz Pellis, Senior Advisor to the Poor People's Campaign and National Call for Moral Revival. Roz? Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. We are here this evening calling for a third reconstruction. And we need to do that, and we need to do it with the loudest voices possible, the biggest actions possible. We need a third reconstruction in this country. And when we talk about a third reconstruction, we have to talk about the plight of workers in this country. Workers who have proven to be essential to the growth of our country, Workers who have proven to kept this country moving while the rest of us were just trying to hold on. So we got to talk about the conditions of workers. We got to talk about what's happening with workers and what we've got to do to change the circumstance so that people can make a decent and living wage. That's right. That's we got to have people making the wage that they deserve. Yes. And they got to have the conditions that they deserve. Yes. Right? So what we're going to do is to now introduce some of the most important folks in this country. They are workers who are every day building this country, every day keeping us going. And we're going to start with Sister Kumi Davis, who's a Raise Up Fight for 15 worker. She's a home care worker. Let's bring her on with a round of applause. She's essential. So I am a certified nurse assistant at a assistant living group home. And I have a second job as a home care worker. Can I get an amen? Amen. And like so many, I go above and beyond the call of duty. That's right. Hello. Hello. 
And I do it all for less than $15 an hour. Did you hear what I said? I said less than $15 an hour. I get no health care benefits. And on top of that, I get no 401k, no sick pay, no chance to join a union, and I haven't taken a vacation day in five years. I said I haven't taken a vacation day in five years. And on top of that, I have watched healthcare workers being underpaid for five or more decades. And then I have noticed that many of our workers, and especially many workers, women, especially women of color, have been mistreated. Now, I don't hear enough but a few women clapping. All you women ought to be clapping. Get it right, get it right, get it right. Now, this right here go make you clap. We are getting little crumbs for our hard work we do. I said little crumbs. <laughs> they don't even want to even pay us for our worth. And we don't even have decision-making power to create safe working conditions. And it, it's time for a change. How many of y'all agree that it's time for a change? Workers right now. 
right, y'all. We're getting ready to hear from Erica Ihime from Jobs to Move America, Alabama Coalition for Community Benefits, along with Randy Weigarden uh, from uh, American Federation of Teachers and Tega Tony from AFT West Virginia. Put your hands together as they speak. More and more manufacturing corporations are moving here to the south. They're taking root right on top of old Jim Crow, including so-called green industries like electric transportation that still includes low wages and poor working conditions. In order to break the old system here in the south, we must join labor and community together in a real way, like we're doing in our campaign to win community benefits with the Canadian bus manufacturer, New Flyer, right in Anniston, Alabama. Just recently, our Alabama Coalition for Community Benefits also worked to support the efforts of the Amazon Workers Campaign here in Alabama. As most of you may know, the election did not have the outcome that we hoped for, but we took away some valuable lessons. One, community has to join together with labor for us to be successful. Two, laws to protect the workers must be strengthened to stop employer interference. And three, but most importantly, this struggle is just not one campaign. It is a long game that requires deep investment into this movement, community and worker education, and a high level of coordination to build up and activate an infrastructure here in the South that is laser focused on breaking the system of poverty and worker oppression. That is why we must have a third reconstruction in this country. And this time, get it right. This is how we create job accessibility, the good job for the underemployed and underrepresented workers, which will ultimately break the chains of poverty for Southern workers and ultimately all workers here in America. Thank you. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're going to take a quick station break. When we return, we will continue our special on the 2021 National Poor Peoples and Low-Wage Workers Assembly, hosted by the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. Stay with us. We'll be right back. June is Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Queer Pride Month marked by the anniversary of the 1969 Stonewall Riot led by Black and Latinx trans and gender non-conforming individuals against police brutality. It's also a time to reflect on the intersections between the fight for queer liberation and the fight for racial justice, indigenous sovereignty, disability justice, and climate justice. According to the organization Earth Justice, any vision for environmental justice must address the needs of LGBTQIA people because the upheavals of climate change will amplify the ways that prejudice already makes shelter, income, and safety more precarious. In order to advocate for the future of our planet, we must advocate for each other by acknowledging that these struggles against oppression are inseparable from each other. For the Earth Minute and the Sojourner Truth Show, this is Teresa Church from Global Justice Ecology Project.
welcome back to Sojourner Truth. Check us out on our website at sotrueradio.org. If you're on Facebook, you can look for us and like us on Facebook. And check out our website at sotrueradio.org and our handle on Instagram and Twitter at sotrueradio. We're also on SoundCloud. You can go to the search bar and type in Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott to find us now. We return to our special on the 2021 National Poor People's and Low Wage Workers Assembly, hosted by the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. On Monday, June 21st, 2021, thousands of poor people, known low wage workers, campaigners, and faith leaders from across the United States gathered online for a mass assembly. There was also an in-person event held in Raleigh, North Carolina. It was organized by the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, People spoke out against the interlocking injustices of systemic racism, the denial of health care and ecological devastation, poverty, militarism, and the distorted moral narrative of religious nationalism. Let's hear those voices now. Thank you so much for letting me join you tonight. I am so honored to be with you. Uh, My time is limited here, and I've been asked to talk briefly about why we need a poor people's campaign at this moment and i can tell folks that there is no way that i can be more powerful or more eloquent or more on point than all the speakers that we have had so far over the course of this program to listen to the truth that they spoke to be part of this program to know that we need a poor people's campaign because we need a third reconstruction in this country We need a poor people's campaign because we need a moral revival in this country. We need a poor people's campaign because every person across this country deserves to be seen, deserves to be heard, deserves to be able to live in dignity and care for their families and earn a living wage, and deserves to have a country respect them with the same dignity and grace and care that they put into it every single day. And that is all that a poor people's campaign is asking for, for that recognition, for that dignity, for the ability to fight for a better future for every single one of our citizens. And a big and bold and brave country should be able to guarantee every single one of us that. It is in fact, literally in the words of a founding document that only applied to a very select few. But our history has been about expanding that view because people have fought for it, fought to to expand, fought to embrace all of us. And that is what a poor people's campaign does. I am so honored to be with you and to call myself an ally. And I am so grateful to be sharing this moment with all of you, sharing this space with all of the speakers. Thank you so much and keep fighting. Forward together, not one step back. Forward together, not one step back. Forward together, not one step back. See, we can do call and repeat from Zoom. So that is part of who we all are. Nation to nation, sea to sea. You're in Raleigh, I'm in New York City today. But together we walk, and we walk and we fight for people who have been on the stage already because they know what the stakes are right now. Why is it in this country that the billionaires during COVID struck gold and the people who worked every single day, manning the grocery stores, 
doing what Shumi Davis did, helping people in assisted living, helping people who are getting old and need the help. People like Tika Tony, who was in school every day helping children. All these people who are frontline providers, people who are in nursing homes, people who are doctors, people who are nurses, how come they can't make ends meet when the billionaires made a ripoff out of this country? This is why we need a third reconstruction, because we need the power that all of us together, community and labor bring. We need the power to fight for a minimum wage. We need the power to fight for labor rights. We need That's the right. power to fight for voting rights. We need the That's power right. to fight right. for all of these things. Last That's thing right. I will say is this. A. Philip Randolph, Thank one of the iconic leaders of labor, said the following. At the banquet table of nature, there are no received seats. You get what you can take and you keep what you hold. If you can't take anything, you won't get anything. If you can't hold anything, you won't keep anything. And you yep. can't take anything without organization. That Thank you. is what a Thank third you, is about. And with that, let me introduce one and of Tiga, our if you would come up Tiga quickly Tony. and then we will uh, go into a... <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate it so much. And I'm always so grateful for all the work you're doing for our union and for our country. Uh, and it is so good and refreshing to hear from our brothers and sisters in this fight around the country. When we work together, mobilize together, and rise together, we become advocates for all those who need advocacy. We become a voice for the voiceless, and we become an agent of change in a time where, a, where great change is needed. You know, I've lived my whole life in southern West Virginia. I've watched my family, my friends, and my neighbors fight, struggle, and claw to eke out an existence. In a country where we are so prosperous, so wealthy, and so advantaged, there is no reason, no excuse for widespread poverty. There's also no reason and no excuse for us to stand by any longer and let this great injustice continue to take root in our country and strangle the potential of the, this nation and its people. We are at a crossroads, a great intersection of moral fortitude. The magnificent ideals and values America was founded on have been manipulated and twisted by greed and corruption. We need a third reconstruction, right. a movement That's to right. address poverty in a meaningful way, to fight for a living wage, uh -huh. to bring a federal jobs program the likes of which we haven't seen since FDR. There's a great scripture honored by Jews and Muslims and Christians, and it reads like this in the Message Bible. When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no more breaks in it, even though I hadn't yet installed the gates, Sanballat and Gresham sent message, come and meet with us at Capinium in the Valley of Uno in order to stop the work. They were scheming to hurt me. So I sent messengers back with this message. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down and see you? 
in person and all around this nation and world, will you say with me, we have work to do. My job today is to lay out the narrative and the call to action. And after all of the powerful witnesses we have heard here today, I have only one thing left to say. It's a message, it's a simple message, and it's been said before. And that is, if you will bear with me, as I'm getting to be a little older country preacher, <laughs> I will try to say and make live one thing as we launch 365 days, Vicki, of organizing towards an in-person mass poor people's low-wage assembly national moral march on Washington to build power and change the narrative of this nation. And that one thing is we have work to do for a third reconstruction to end poverty and low wages from the bottom up. That story I just read you was from Nehemiah and it was a time when the people were hurting. Things were torn apart and justice was real. And they had had a first reconstruct, a construction. They'd even had a second reconstruction, but they needed one more. And many of the people laughed at Nehemiah Liz and said it wouldn't make a difference. But Nehemiah went out at night, Nehemiah did, and surveyed the condition of the people. And even though he was doing well, he came to the conclusion that it would be better to die reconstructing the nation than to just live and let it be as it was. Nehemiah said, I'm doing the work and I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. We have work to do. And the termination of Nehemiah the Builder is a lesson I've learned from two of my heroes. The first one is Frederick Douglass after the Dred Scott decision of the Supreme Court. The members of the Supreme Court were actively members of the KKK and many had been appointed that should not have ever been appointed. And they ruled that black folk had no rights that white people ever had to listen to and the Dred Scott decision made it seem like all was lost. Nothing was possible anymore. That an impenetrable wall of injustice had been built by those in power and decades of consistent efforts had done nothing to reconstruct it. In fact, things had only gotten worse. Don't you ever think that a Trump experience is our first Trump experience? Now, Douglas did not diminish, you don't lie, he did not diminish Anna the evil or the state's rights. He did not diminish what had happened. He actually declared that it was monstrous, that it was deceptive, deadly, and devious. But then after saying very clearly how bad it was, he said there's another side. And there is the side that says we cannot shrink from the work that must be done. And so in the face of increased attacks against humanity, the humanity of enslaved people, Douglas said, listen, the very attempt 
to blot out forever the hopes of an enslaved people may be one necessary link in the chain of events preparatory to the downfall and complete overthrow of the whole slave system. What if what they have done is their undoing? He said the whole history of the anti-slavery movement is studded with proof that all measures devised and executed with, with a view to allow and diminish the anti-slavery agitation has only served to increase, intensify, and embolden that agitation. They may have the Supreme Court of the nation, but they don't have the Supreme Court of the universe. And so Frederick Douglass, it was in, in essence, was saying, we have work to do. But this is also a lesson that I learned from my second hero, my greatest hero, whom I buried 33 years ago today on the summer solstice in 1988, your grandfather, William. And though he had already had a stroke, my father was still working for justice. He died in the morning after he had been out in the community organizing on behalf of poor people. In eastern North Carolina, no cameras, not because the newspaper was there, because he believed one day he would have to face the God of the universe. And he taught me that some things are so important that you work your whole life on their behalf. My greatest hero knew that no matter who we are, we have work to do. Especially when so many things are working to the contrary of what we know is right. I want to be like Frederick Douglass and be real honest today, yes. In the state houses of some of the poorest states in the nation, we see racist voter suppression and the same politicians who support voter suppression use their power once they get elected to deny health care and deny living wages and deny LGBTQT rights. And yes, they mean to take us backwards. Yes. They deny the climate crisis and block the bold action that is needed to transition to renewable energy. Yes, they are serious about supporting unchecked military spending while calling for austerity and tax cuts and defunding of anti-poverty programs. Yes, it seems like they work overtime to build walls of justice rather than pathways to equality. Yes, we know what they are doing. But the question is, what are we going to do? And I declare, with every breath in my body, we have work to do. We are in a time when the UN Special Rapporteur, who acts as the watchdog of extreme poverty around the world, had to issue a withering critique of the state of America today. He said the policies are steering the country toward a dramatic change of direction that is rewarding the rich and punishing the poor by blocking access to even the most meager necessities. Yes, we are living in a time when Joseph Stiglitz said the cost 
to keep people in poverty is greater than the cost to release people from poverty. And yet we keep paying the wrong cost. And in light of this, the real issue now is not what they have done, but what we will decide to do and that there is work to be done. Now we live in a time when we have two glaring pro political problems that have always existed in this country for, and they are represented in the mindset of Mitch McConnell and Joe Manchin. The one political problem we have, Mitch McConnell is a metaphor of meanness and his obstructionist caucus. They're not just bad politicians, they're just mean as hell. Money has hardened their hearts. They are arrogant and aggressive. They don't intend to establish justice. They lied when they put their hands on the Constitution and swore to uphold it. And they make no secret about it. But on the other hand, we have the problem of manipulations represented by Senator Joe Manchin. And he is a metaphor for those who claim to be moderate. But there ain't no such thing as moderation when it comes to the establishment of justice. The Constitution doesn't say establish justice moderately. The Constitution doesn't say provide for the common defense moderately. The Constitution doesn't say promote the general welfare moderately. The Constitution doesn't say ensure domestic tranquility moderately. The Constitution doesn't say equal protection under the law moderately. Moderate is something we call in Christian language as being lukewarm. And the Lord says everything that's lukewarm, he spews it, vomits it out of his mouth. To claim to be a moderate on constitutional issues like voting rights is a cover for being in the pocket of the wealthy, but you ain't as mean as McConnell to be that honest. And so you hide. You, you can't compromise with people who don't come believing in the same promise. Compromise means to come with the promise. But if you don't even believe there's a voting problem, you can't compromise with them. If they don't believe there's a poverty problem, you can't compromise with them because they're not working on the same issues that you're working for. And I learned a long time ago in Aesop's fables that even if a fox tells you he won't bite you, don't you believe him? The problem we have in our public life also didn't get didn't begin with Donald Trump, but it began with the white Southern strategists. And they saw the seats of power were becoming more diverse. And so 50 years ago, they looked at the expansion of our democracy, won by the second reconstruction. They saw women and black people and progressive whites and Latinos and indigenous people would increasingly be elected to office. And the people didn't look like them. And so politics was going to change from the good old boys club of gamemanship to a struggle for democracy. You see, in the old system, compromise was the order of the day because wasn't nobody there but white men. So whichever side you were on, you knew nothing was going to fundamentally change. So you could give a little and take a little in the old boys club. You could slap one another on the backs and then go to night and share drinks that evening because the policies weren't going to hurt you anyway. You were still going to be a millionaire. And so here we are. 
and our democracy itself is in a strange time. It's on a spiral toward death. Compromise is keeping us from addressing issues that cause people to die. The, good, the rules of the good old boys club don't apply anymore. When the good old boys are fighting like hell to hold on to the keys to the club and the club itself. Now facing this, Liz, somebody told me to give you and Nelson and Joyce and Alvin and Dr. Forbes a message the other day. They told me to tell y'all to stop offering people hope. They said, why would you have a poor people's campaign and offer people hope? And I said, you don't know what hope is. Hope is not a pipe dream. Hope is when you decide a lie will not work harder than your truth. We're out of time. I'd like to thank all of the speakers featured in today's show. A beginning, we want to thank the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, for allowing us to share their audio with you. I would also like to thank the Sojourner Truth team. Romero Funes is our assistant producer and also want to thank today's audio engineer. If you'd like a copy of today's show, you can contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230. Go online to pacificaradioarchives.org. Remember to visit the Sojourner Truth website, sotrueradio.org, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoTrueRadio. Y'all, please remember to stay safe. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. This is